morning. My Bible's going to be opened up to the book of Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. We're pretty much going to be spending all of our time there in the book of Hebrews, really even just in that passage. We've been spending time this last trimester talking about the idea of being committed as Christians. That in my Christianity, that in my spiritual walk, that I'm committed to that, that I'm connected to that, that I'm all in with that, that I'm diligent in that endeavor. And we've spent time over the various Sunday mornings talking about different aspects of that level of commitment that the Lord is looking for us to give. And so this morning is going to be no different from that. It's going to maybe be a little bit more in your face about that idea than it has been over the last several Sundays, even though commitment has always been there. But this morning we're going to talk about the idea of being committed to our growth as Christians. And that it it takes a commitment for growth to happen. Uh, We know physically that isn't necessarily the case. We've had just recently several babies born into our congregations. And it's a wonderful thing. And it's incredible to see how quickly babies grow. How much they get bigger uh, just uh, after weeks or after months or certainly after a year. That that growth is something that just takes place. It just happens very naturally. There's not a lot that has to be done in order for that child to grow. It's the way that God has built Our physical bodies, our physical bodies grow as we get older. But spiritually, that isn't the case. I think a lot of times we like to think that's the case. That the longer that I'm a Christian, the longer that I come to church, the longer that I go to Bible classes, the longer that I am around, that I can look back and say, you know what, I've been a Christian for 20 years, for 30 years, for 15 years, for whatever the case may be. I think subconsciously what we think we would like to happen, and then by even more dangerous ways, what we think happens is that like we do physically, spiritually growth just takes place. The longer that I'm a Christian, just growth happens, and then we become okay with that. But as we open up God's Word and God hammers into us, in lots of different places, more than just where we're going to be today in the book of Hebrews, but hammers into his people that if you want to grow, and we'll see, that's what he calls us to do, we have to be committed to that. We have to be diligent in that. So this morning, we're going to ask the question how we're doing. Are we growing? It's a simple question. It's a simple sounding question, but the application and the digging out of that can be tricky because we've got to be honest about it because the reality that we're going to see this morning is it, it is one of two directions that we're heading spiritually, that we are either growing and we are committed and making that choice or we are regressing spiritually and drifting away to use a phrase in the book of Hebrews in chapter 2. Let's give the more earnest heed, the Hebrew writer, to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. So this morning, we're going to get to the answer. I'm going to help us get to the answer for each and every one of us. Which of those two directions I'm going? And the encouragement then is going to be 
if the direction that I am currently going, the path that I am currently on, isn't where God wants me to be, then I'm going to have the courage and the faith to make that change. That's where our encouragement will be today. We're going to do so from the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12, the Hebrew writer says, we, we do all of these things that you do not become sluggish, is the word that's used here, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. What's interesting about this passage, and we're going to get to it a little bit later on in the lesson, is that this word sluggish, other translations will, will plug in and use the word lazy. Uh, that is the idea, and that is the, the idea that we're trying to steer a, away from. Listen, nobody wants, nobody, nobody wants God from heaven looking down at your life and saying, there's one of my children, he is so lazy. Who wants that? Nobody wants that. Nobody wants God looking at our life and the, the thought that creeps into his mind is there is someone, someone who is lazy in their spirituality, someone who is lazy in their discipleship, someone who is lazy in their spiritual walk. I, I don't want God thinking that of me, and I will answer for you. I hope I can answer for you that none of us want that. None of us want God thinking about that. And so it behooves us then this morning to make sure that God isn't able to think that about me. When he looks at me, he doesn't see laziness, sluggishness. He sees commitment, specifically commitment to grow. And so in Hebrews chapter 5, there is a discussion that really carries over all the way from chapter 5 into chapter 6. And the reality is going to be for us to analyze which direction am I going in? Is it maturity or immaturity? And what God does for us is he helps us with some marks of that. So then I'm able to look at my life and I'm able to say this is where I am. This is what I showcase. This is what I do. This is the way that I live. And to see which category that falls into. And the beginning is here in Hebrews chapter 5. In Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 11, we're going to read down through the end of this chapter. Well, in context, the Hebrew writer is about to begin his explanation specifically on the heavenly priesthood of Jesus. And the writer's concern is, is that these brethren are not ready for that kind of teaching. And so he talks to them about that. He talks to them about the point that, listen, I'm about, and what I'd like to give is some heavy teaching on this subject of Jesus and his priesthood. But my concern is, you're just simply not prepared for this level of teaching. And he provides them with some things to think about. And by doing that, he has provided us with some things to think about. So let's think about them. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 11, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. 
For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And so what the writer does is he helps us by providing these marks of spiritual immaturity. He says, listen, I want to teach you about this. I want to teach you about Melchizedek. I want to teach you about Jesus. I want to teach you about his priesthood. But I'm not sure you're ready for that kind of teaching. And then he says, this is why. This is why I don't think you're ready. You're not committed to grow. Someone who isn't committed to grow looks like these things. And he provides three of them for us. And the first he does so in verse 11, this idea that you are dull of hearing or that you are dull to the word of God, your dullness to the word of God. We've already seen in Hebrews chapter 2, you've got to give earnest heed to what God has said, lest you drift away. He's already made reference of that. But now, because of that drifting, they have become dull of hearing. So what does that look like? Well, let's let the Bible help us to see what that looks like by looking at the opposite of it. Hold your finger in Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to come right back there. But look over to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, here is the opposite of this idea of dullness to the word given to us here. As Paul writes to the brethren in Thessalonica, and he's talking about their attitude, it's very different than this. He says, you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it. Not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. And so he says, listen, you have received the word of God, but not just that, you have welcomed the word of God. What a great line that is. You've received it, you have welcomed it. Not as it is the word of men, but it is from God, the word of truth. And so we get the idea now of the opposite of this. And so this idea of being dull to the word, what does that look like? Well, I'll give you one idea, one symptom of this spiritual immaturity, dullness towards the word, dullness towards God's word. Do some examination. We have just concluded a Bible class hour right before this one. Maybe you joined us for that Bible class hour. Maybe you chose not to today. Maybe in the midst of those Bible classes, you often have the thought, that wasn't for me. That was bland. That was blah. That wasn't exciting. God's word was open, but eh, I've read that before. I've seen that before. Or probably, hypothetically, let's um, build some crazy, I mean crazy outside of the box hypothetical that you're here like right now. And you think that preaching, that's nothing for me. That's dull. That's blah. That's not exciting. I'd rather do something else. I'd rather think about something else than what's happening right there. Maybe it is spiritual things in general. 
Think about your week. Think about your life. Do you get excited about spiritual things? Or are you turned off to spiritual things? Do you get excited about opportunities to be with the brethren? Or are you kind of turned off about those opportunities? We can begin to examine our own hearts to see if, if God's word is something that I find joy in. If God's word is something that I find excitement in. And if you're struggling with those kind of thoughts, we don't have the time to do it this morning, but I would encourage you by this afternoon to open up the book of Psalms and to work your way through it. Because there is a level of excitement and a level of joy that should come from reading and studying God's Word. And if you find yourself dulled to that, spiritual regression, spiritual immaturity is the path that you're on. And God is calling us to grow. Secondly, another mark of spiritual immaturity is just spiritual regression, if you will. Did you take notice of the visual that's given to us in 12 and 13? I think a lot of times when we read this passage in Hebrews 5, 12 and 13, and we build the visual in our mind, we paint the wrong visual. We make it much softer than what the visual actually is. So let's think about the point that he actually is making here. The picture that he's actually painting. He says, listen, instead of helping others to grow, you, you find yourself in need of learning again, regression, spiritual regression. And then he makes the point, by the way, a visual of using milk and meat. And to make the point that milk, milk is reserved for babies. They don't have teeth. They can't operate with solid food and meat. They can't operate because they don't have teeth. Milk is reserved for babies. But as you grow, as you grow, now you're in a position to take on the meat. And so he makes the point in verse 12 that this milk is the first principles of the oracles of God. That's where you are. That's how you've stayed. This meat that he's talking about in context probably is this teaching that he wants to provide for them about Jesus and his heavenly high priesthood. This is the meat that you're ready for. You should be ready for this, but you aren't. And so he paints the picture of these old adult grown people that instead of having a nice plate of meat as they should be that visually makes sense you're reverted to milk now I want you to really imagine the picture that he would have been painted as the people at the time that this book was written that they would have been reading and they would have been thinking about <coughs> excuse me this adult person Instead of eating their dinner, they're going back and drinking milk. Now, the picture that we paint in our minds, we do so today. We're thinking, well, that seems ridiculous. <clears throat> An adult person, you know, sitting at the dinner table, uh, drinking out of a baby's bottle. You know, that seems absurd, and it does. It does seem absurd, for sure. But that's not the visual that would have come to the mind right here. There's no baby's bottles 
that babies are drinking out of as the Hebrew writer is writing to these brethren. The visual is this adult person going back to the breast of their mother for milk. Now, how ridiculous is that picture? That's the visual that's being painted right here. He, he's saying, you are way off from where you need to be. And so we've got to be thinking, where am I on that line? What am I prepared mentally, spiritually for? This final point that he makes, is it the reality that when it comes to God's word, I'm just simply unskilled? You see, as we grow in the word, we learn to use it regularly. We apply it. We exercise it, if you will. And we develop spiritual discernment. The ability to discern is the mark of spiritual maturity. And if you struggle with simple spiritual discernment, you are showcasing your skill level in God's word. And as a Christian, we should be growing in that, adding to that, progressing in our skill and use of God's word. Well, this morning, my intention is not to spend all of our time in the doldrums of spiritual immaturity. Let's flip the script and spend the rest of our time, the significant portion of our time in spiritual maturity. As the context continues to be laid out for us, in Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, in the same context, he'll flip that to make the point that even though this is where you are, God is calling you to be more. He's calling on you to grow. And so he makes the point that God is asking for you to do this. And again, it should make sense. Look beginning in verse 1, Hebrews 6. He says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from the dead, works of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. And so he makes the point here, if progress is going to be made, if progress is going to be made, we've got to leave childish things behind and go forward. It's what we always do. Think about a kid in school. A kid in school very early on, what's the very first thing they do? They learn their ABCs, right? They learn their ABCs, A, B, C, D, E. They learn their ABCs. Well, why do they do that? Well, they learn their ABCs that they can then take those letters that they learn, form them together to read words. And so you learn your ABCs so that you can put those letters together and ultimately to read words. Well, why do we do that? Well, we do that because then you could take those words that we read and you can form those words together. Now you can read a sentence. Well, why do we do that? Why do we teach them that? Well, we teach them that because then you can take these sentences that you have and that you can read, and you now put those sentences together, and you're reading a book. That makes good sense, right? You learn your ABCs so that you can read words. You read words so that you can read sentences. You read sentences so that you can read books. You use the basics to go on to other things. 
And so that's the admonition. That's right here. Let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to maturity, your translation may even say. And so the writer provides six kind of foundational truths for this. We're not going to dig into all six of these things, but the point that's being made is you've laid the foundation. What, in essence, he's saying is you, you know your ABCs. It's time to read some words. Or you know your words. It's time to read some sentences. Or you know some sentences. It's time to read some books. He's making the point with an exclamation point at the end. It is time to move forward. He says that to everyone. And I was thinking about that a little bit this week. Because it's easy, it's easy for some to say, I know exactly, I know exactly who Jeremy's talking about today. Oh man, I I know exactly, I know exactly the guy, I, I know exactly the lady that Jeremy is honing in on today. I know exactly who he's talking about. It's easy to do that. What's less easy is to dig deep in ourselves, no matter where we are. In the ABCs, reading words, reading sentences, reading books, no no matter where we are on that spiritual walk, that I'm able to dig into myself and find the resources to push forward. Why is that so important? Because there is dangers around every corner when we don't do that. Look in verse 4. He says, For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. I want you to look at this in a couple of different ways. The first is, look at all the phrases used to describe or to remind them of their personal experiences of salvation enjoyed by them at Christ. All of these things, enlightened, tasted, have become partakers. They've experienced these incredible things in Christ, these incredible things. But yet he gives this other side and he paints this awfully bleak picture. Let's not try too hard to understand what he's talking about right here. As he reminds them of these incredible things and blessings that come from having a relationship with Christ. But then take note of how far he says that they can fall. How far? Impossible to renew them again to repent. There has been such a move from where they are to where they are now that they crucify again the Son of God, putting him to an open shame, one who knowingly rejects publicly Christ. And 
that's what not being committed to growth is. It's because if we are not careful to go on to maturity, this is the danger that's lurking. How many times have we seen it? Drifting away happens pretty slowly. I'm not a big fisherman. I've not been on boats very often. But I've been on boats enough to know, like, when you stop a boat in an area, even when you put an anchor down and you fish for a little while or you're just resting for a little while, that it's not very long. And you're like, oh, man, we're not where we just were. And sometimes you can look up and you're not real close even to where you just were. That's the idea of drifting away. Sometimes it happens pretty slowly. And if I'm not fully committed to growth, if I'm not fully committed to going forward, moving on, if I'm not fully committed to that, that means I'm drifting. And maybe that drifting is slow. Maybe it is. Maybe that drifting is slow. And I'm just drifting. And I'm just drifting. And I'm just drifting. Slowly, but I'm just drifting. And I'm just drifting. And I'm just drifting. And I'm just drifting. And I just drift right on out of here. I'm just drifting right on out. I don't even know if you can hear me anymore. But I've just drifted. I've drifted right on. I mean, these people way over here can see me. But now you've drifted right on out of here. And maybe you wake up. Maybe you snap out of it. And what's the first thing sometimes? I can't believe how far, how far I've gotten. That's what happens to the one who isn't pushing forward. Because there isn't any standing still. There isn't a standing still. It's going forward or it's going backward. And so he says that there is a danger. Thirdly, he says that maturity shows fruitfulness. Verse 7. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 7. He says, For the earth which drinks in the rain, which often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated, receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end it is to be burned. But, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you, yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And so he, again, he gives us that visual and he gives us the visual of the field. Do you remember the passage that Forrest read for us in Proverbs chapter 24? A, a very visual picture. As that wise writer is writing, he, he paints the picture of, of the field of a lazy man. I, I don't need to see the man to know he's lazy because I've seen his field. Here is a field that has broken down walls, a field that has grown up with weeds and briars it would be the difference between like walking in and seeing a, a, a little a potted a plant that maybe I would plant with a few uh, vegetables. I haven't done that. Huge hypothetical. But let's say I would do that, and you'd go to John's backyard. And you'd say, well, here is someone who is lazy concerning that and someone who isn't. You wouldn't have to ask us any questions. Just look at the work. That's what Solomon is saying right there in Proverbs chapter 24. I don't need to, I know this is a lazy person. 
because of his field. The Hebrew writer is making that same point right here. The writer makes note of some of the fruit produced in their lives. Positively, their love for God, their ministering for others, the fact that they continue to minister. The growth that can be seen. And then finally, 11 and 12, full circle for where we started. He says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The final admonition. We cannot become lazy or sluggish spiritually. We've got to apply ourselves and the spiritual resources that God has provided us with. And so as we close, one final encouragement. For each and every one of us, each and every one of us, we are growing or we are regressing. There is no standing still. And in order for us to grow, we have to be diligent in that. It isn't physical growth of our children that just happen naturally. It is commitment to it. It is diligence. It is effort. It is a plan. It is a process. It is a pushing forward and pushing forward all the time. Why? Why is it important for me to push forward all the time? Because the very moment that I stop pushing forward in my growth, I'm stepping backwards. And if I'm stepping backwards... I'm being lazy in my growth. God looks down at me and he sees a lazy Christian. I think we know how that would play. And so I'm going to be committed to grow. The encouragement I have for you sometime today, sometime this week, take a moment, a moment, and dig deep to make sure that you are living a life that is pushing spiritually. It's a big part of why our elders have asked us to be considering this theme, to be committed to God. Not to just be an acquaintance of God, that God is just someone I've heard of, but be committed to Him to be committed to grow in him. I appreciate you listening. We've got a lot of visitors with us this morning. We're so thankful for you being with us, spending your time here with us, worshiping God with us together. What a great day that it's been. The time that we've been able to spend together, worshiping our God together, praying together, remembering the sacrifice that's been made for us, studying from his word together. In our Bible class today, we study from Acts chapter 20. At the very beginning of that text, you had the beautiful sermon from Paul that lasted hours and hours and hours and hours until people fell asleep and died. And maybe you were thinking, if you were in that class, that Jeremy wasn't going to exemplify that today. But it's been good for us to be here together. Kayla's going to lead us in a song of encouragement. It gives us an opportunity to be thinking about a lot of things that we've talked about, our relationship with him and where we are. 
where we are with that relationship. If we have sin in our lives, that separates us from him. And that sin has to be taken care of. God has told us specifically in the pages of the New Testament that sin is taken away through the waters of baptism so that when you rise out of those waters, sin-free, a beautiful relationship with God ensues. A new creature. What a beautiful thing. Maybe we can help you with that today. Maybe you've wandered away as we've talked about. You've wandered away from God, and you acknowledge that. And maybe that's between you and God. Well, the encouragement is for you to take care of that. Talk to God about that. Renew your vow to him. Maybe we can help with some way. You let us know as we stand and sing.